Hi there, it's Tim here from the Wellbeing Collective. And as you know, we've recorded a series of podcasts over the last few months, and this is our um, our podcast for this month. And we've been having some discussions in our team um, about meetings. And we're just aware that as, um, as uh, our environments change and as we're interacting more, we're we're aware that we want to meet more, perhaps face and face to face, and we want to have more um, face to face discussions and meetings. And it kind of led us to this sort of idea in our in our meetings. Actually, what what do we need from our team meetings moving forward? What kind of things are important to us? And actually, in in this context how can we think about emotional intelligence in the context of team meetings? So I'm joined by um, Sarah. Say hi, Sarah. Hello. Um, and also Becca. Say hi, Becca. Hello. And we're here today to have that discussion. Um, both um, Becca and Sarah are members of the uh, Wellbeing Collective team, and they've been part of these discussions and um, absolutely wanted to be on board for this particular podcast to share some of their views and perspectives. So it's all about balancing our online meetings with our desire to meet in a more face-to-face -face capacity and that need to kind of reimagine a little bit um, how that may look and we work in a very appreciative way at the Wellbeing Collective and what we're thinking about is how can we take the best bits of this last year into our desired future in an emotionally intelligent way. So I'm going to ask, um, I'm going to ask Sarah, first of all, what do you think are the kind of best bits of our team meetings over the last year that you would want to take forward? Well, I'm actually a great fan of online meetings. And, you know, I've spent some time sort of wondering why that is. And I think for me, there's a certain there's a comfortableness that has been introduced to meetings. And I know they talk about the disinhibitive effect of Zoom, etc. But I do think that people in their own place, in their own home, dressed in the way they want to be, surrounded by their own things, I think that brings a sense of feeling comfortable. And what I've noticed is that that comfortableness sort of transfers into the meeting place. And then it's transferred into the way that people talk to each other, um, the way they sit, their body language. I just think it all feels quite comfortable and, and quite pleasant. And I also think that people are, I think people have become far more courteous. And um, I think people appreciate listening more not mm. interrupting giving time to people who maybe wouldn't talk quite so often if it was on a face-to-face -face meeting so I think the whole dynamic has changed massively yeah it's changed for me in many respects and I can I could kind of agree with some of those things but I was just as I was listening to that I was also aware of kind of some of the flip side and whilst we are trying to think appreciative, appreciatively I'm just aware for Becca there may have been a little bit of a flip side because I know you've talked quite positively about online meetings but it hasn't always been um sweetness and light has it Becca no I think um this kind of whilst I agree with everything Sarah said um because I've experienced that as well I think um naturally I am quieter in meetings um and when it's in a face-to-face -face setting um I think people pick up on the body language quicker whereas you can get lost in a virtual meeting um so 
I've actually found it at points harder to have my voice heard in a meeting um, because other people will over speak and then they're obviously not doing it on purpose or anything. It's just I think some of the body language and nuances are getting missed when there's kind of, you know, um, six plus type people, you know, when your screen's full, it's quite hard to miss those little bits. Um, and um, yeah, I, I'm kind of thinking because it's, it's a bit of both, isn't it, Sarah, with the, it's definitely more comfortable at home. Um, but I'm aware I keep flipping, you know, my mute on because the dogs decided to make a new bed out of the rug or something at that point. Um, and I have a particular new pet hate of the pandemic, which is the postman assuming that you can answer the door, even though you're on the phone um, and you just hear the bang, bang, bang in the background. Um, so I find it quite distracting. Um, but then a positive wise, I have found meetings are shorter and more succinct. Um, we seem to now have a much better way of kind of organizing our meetings so that they are ones that we need and when, and an hour's meeting can be more like 45 minutes because you've kind of got other bits that you're doing. Um, I quite like that element. Um, but then again, on the flip side, I really miss having those five minute catch ups, you know, when you just walk around the office. Those kind of natural catch ups that you have with people. Yeah, I think we are potentially missing some of those creative moments in work mm. where you grab that five minutes because you've gone and made a coffee with someone. Yeah. Um, so I do wonder about that. Um, so, yeah. so something like sort of this, this kind of um, pros, pros and cons, isn't there, to um, just to, as I'm listening to this, it's sort of uh, there's been some really good bits about doing it. Although I've, you know, I've seen a lot of meetings where people have trying to be having meetings in their bedrooms, trying to navigate children and other demands, but also finding that it provides a lot more flexibility. So like most things, there are pros and cons. And so how can we sort of get the balance between both? Do we need both now moving forward? What do you think, Sarah? Um, yes, I do, I do think we need both. I think there has to be a hybrid version of what we had before the pandemic. Um, because I think we could also have a long conversation about the pros and cons of meetings that we everyone used to have before the pandemic. Um, and picking up on what you said, Becca, meetings that were over long, meetings that took too long to start, meetings that contained information that weren't needed to be talked about. You know, there's a whole host of things. So I am really um, supportive of having some sort of combination of the two, um, some sort of hybrid. Um, and I think the challenge really is about working out what would work best um, in, the, in, the, in the Zoom world or Teams and what would work better as mm. a group of individuals. And I think picking up on what you said, Becca, where maybe where that more sort of creative view bouncing ideas off um, more of a free flow maybe that would be more appropriate as a, as a, a, a you know face-to-face -face group um, but I'm, I'm just also mindful of another thing too is that with online meetings there is no walking around the office or the catch-up or the pulling a few threads together or help helping with the preparedness for a meeting what I've noticed certainly working with people online is that there's very little gap between one Zoom or team meeting mm -hmm. and another. And I've noticed that people are, for, are more stressed, not necessarily because of the content of the meeting itself, but because of the lack of space 
in between the meetings taking place. And I think face-to-face -face gives you a natural break. You know, you either have to jump in the car, gather all your stuff and drive somewhere, or you have to walk in, you know, down the corridor. And then you'll have other interactions which break the sort of bubble that you can find yourself when you're just working purely online. It's funny you say that. I've literally written in my notes for today's podcast, thinking space was yeah. exactly that. Where does that, that thinking space happen? Yeah. Yeah. That sometimes, like you say, if it's back to back, you, you just don't, you can't process it can you and if you're a more reflective person when do you do that reflection um if you don't have the walking to the next meeting room or you know making your coffee in the same way that you would do in an office um so yeah i completely agree with that point yeah i would i would say that actually that creative thinking space is really important and even i did a drive out to a meeting last week and it was quite a long drive perhaps a little bit too long um after a year of spending a lot of time um, in virtual meetings, online meetings, but actually did provide me with some really good individual thinking space as well, space between meetings to really sort of process some stuff. So, you know, the challenge, of course, both online and in person is really at the person who's leading the meeting. And as you've said, you know, the, the ability for the person to skillfully manage an online meeting to give ensure everybody has a clear voice and doesn't talk over everybody is also now going to be required in person to make sure that actually people are really able to get the best out of in-person meetings. So what is the challenge for the team leader now, for the manager, for the person that's leading the meetings in terms of working in an emotionally intelligent way? What ideas do you have for that? I, I think it's like most things through the pandemic. I think people have just lost, they've forgotten skills that they once had and I think there'll be a couple of things going on. There will be doing something new um, for the first time in a long time. And I think it's recognising that that will carry some anxiety. There'll be a nervousness about it. There'll be an awkwardness about it. I, I'm always, I always sort of think about that time, you know, sort of 18 months ago when everybody had to start queuing up outside a shop and how strange and and peculiar and how anxious that felt. And yet, 18 months into it, we wear masks and we queue without any problem at all. So I think people going, when people start doing face-to-face -face meetings, I think it will require a revisiting of skills that are underused and quite a bit of support actually, mm. until that level of confidence starts to re-emerge. Um, and I, I suppose I see it in, a, in, in almost a staged approach it, it isn't about just launching straight in and picking up where we left off. I think the first stage, once that's bedded in and the needs of individuals are recognised, not in the content of a meeting, that doesn't change, but the, the delivery mm. and the experience of a meeting. And once that stage is completed, it will move into another stage, whatever that may be. And I think it's just recognising there are different needs at different stages and what are those needs hmm. what do we have to focus on yeah i mean I, I think the starting point for me always with emotional intelligence is self-awareness isn't it so whoever's leading those meetings or moving from an online to an in face face-to-face -face environment i guess needs to be aware of how they feel about it and um yeah what do you think becca 
Yeah, I was just thinking kind of very much around what are my emotions when it comes to this and thinking about meeting people in a space. Mm. Um, And I was thinking, actually, it's little things like having the meeting outdoors, if you can, or in a bigger room than you usually would, rather than squeezing into an office, you know, like a your little desk, the one person office where you'd put four people in and squish around kind of the emotional intelligence around people's fear of safety Mm. and confinement Mm. and I think it's giving that we're we're used to having more personal space which I love I love long may the two meter distance continue Um, but I think it's it's being aware isn't it around different emotions where you're going to have a very I'd be surprised if you didn't have a mixture of a team some people are going to come in not worry about it at all they're in they're so happy to be back pack their bags off they go you know we're going back yay and other people will think it's the worst thing ever um you know just the thought of having to get back into the car could be too much for them um and traffic I mean the roads are already busy so like you were saying Sarah all that anxiety and build up and things and I think the leader doing the meeting just needs to be aware they're going to have a mixture Mm. and just ensuring that there's a balance and kind of neutral views presented as to how to go about it and maybe even before they go into their first face-to-face just having a little discussion and maybe even a bit of a kind of psychological contracting type thing with the team just around what makes people comfortable what are happy are you even sharing agendas are you sharing papers just that kind of you know where is everyone at and then the leader can use that intelligence to decide how's best for their team in that meeting do you know that there's some really good points isn't it sorry you're going to jump um, in it, yes sorry it, it's just triggered off in, in my thoughts um one of the check-ins that we've been using at the well-being collective is one of amanda's favorites which which has turned into one of my favorites actually which is um starting meetings with check-ins you know the, the how is it you know how are the people how are people feeling in a variety of different ways and one of my favorite ones was um how are you arriving today um and once you've reiterated that it's not by bus bike or tram or boat it's it's emotionally how are you arriving today and i used it in a in a, a zoom session and it it was a it was a real surprise to me how different a group of seven to eight people were, were all arriving emotionally, and that was on a on a online meeting, which we've all been using for eighteen months. So I think picking up on what you're saying, Becca, a, a psychological check in, I think would be a really good part of that initial stage. Mm. Yeah. Um, Do you know, psychological contracts and um, those kind of approaches um, are often um, often not spoken about a great deal. Um, We talk about the psychological contract. What is the psychological contract? And sometimes it is the explicit things that are said. And sometimes it's the, the things that are perhaps slightly out of our awareness that we just go along with or aware of in terms of how our teams meet and interact every single day and the type of relationships, cultural relationships we have. But of course, what I'm hearing is this idea that we need to be more overt about it, that we need to be more outspoken, that actually the team leader has to be self-aware about their own relationships with moving across different platforms and mediums for meetings, but also really overtly check in with team 
members in terms of really just seeing where where they're at rather than just launching straight back into um, meetings as if nothing has kind of happened and I have seen that in a couple of situations where people have said oh we're now meeting face to face and and some people have kind of reacted quite strongly to that because it feels like a massive step doesn't it and can I just and you know we know that if people are carrying um, anxiety that anxiety can present itself in lots of different behaviors mm. and you know unique to an individual and I think there there are pitfalls if the check-in as to where you know how people are how how have people arrived how are they feeling if that's not spoken about um I think the behaviors in the meeting could could potentially be quite challenging and I think mm. one of the most obvious things is that more often than not if people are anxious or stressed um they can come across as quite hostile um, or, or quite angry, whereby that's not what's really going on. The real thing going on is behind that anger and that behaviour that there is actually something, there's an anxiety going on. So I think in a, talking this through, it's made me realise that by starting off in, in that way could actually then ease people and maybe pre prevent some other issues that start arising. Mm. It's, get, it's like getting it, getting it right from the word go. Yeah. I think there's the need for acknowledgement that we're not the same people we were kind of 15 months ago. Um, you know, we've all gone on our own personal journeys and dealt with personal situations that have come under the pandemic. And the, you know, that take it, I don't know, not commuting means you get an extra half an hour's sleep. And that might make a massive difference to a member of that meeting mm. type thing. And I think it's just that awareness that, whilst you've been talking to everyone you know in, in a virtual face-to-face -face setting that may not be reflective of the changes that have happened with the colleagues in your team so just having that sense of people aren't quite the same anymore I don't think we've got you know different views potentially different values that have mm. come out of it you know we've got different priorities now um so it's just being aware of like those subtle changes as well yeah. And I think a really good, um, you know, in terms of if you are a team leader and you are responsible for a meeting taking place and leading that and facilitating that, I think the self-awareness element of emotional intelligence is, is so important because the chances are, you know, if, you, if one can get in touch with how one is feeling, um, not always, but as a rule of thumb, if you're feeling anxious and stressed and worried, the chances are other people in the room are feeling the same way. Mm. And I think that's a real advantage of, you know, self-awareness, that it makes you stop and think about yourself. But it's also the next step to stop and think about how other people are feeling as well. And mm. then, of course, the next step is doing that checking out. I guess I guess what it also relates to is being aware yourself also creates a degree of empathy. Your journey is unique, your experience is unique, as is other people. And of course, so empathy is also one of those real core components of emotional intelligence, how we really understand and try and place ourselves within the experience of other people and a team leader. Um, I guess doing that in the context of making this shift will will really help people to feel more comfortable 
and 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 safer in their new emerging environments and whatever that may look like but also make it creative adjustments it, and and i think the thing for me is that it's not sort of all or nothing we're not either going to all be online or all in person and i think uh, i think where organizations take that view or maybe team leaders take that view i think they may come unstuck pretty quickly in terms of how their colleagues and their immediate team may react that in turn would potentially affect productivity mm. output i don't know about you i've i've become um, incredibly more productive working in an online environment far more than i ever thought and i actually have a better quality of life than i thought i would but of course we were thrust into this without really considering it and we're having to evaluate it now so it's really interesting and and as we're having this discussion lots is going lots of going on for me as well in terms of thinking about my relationship for meeting in person with others so so as we're sort of kind of thinking about um this um this need to move safely um you know across old territory on in new terrain as i i i call it you know what are your top tips for working for team leaders working well with colleagues particularly creating safe interactive spaces so becca what are your top tips um i think still allowing that thinking space um i know we spoke about obviously the back-to-back -back meetings um makes it difficult when it's online but the kind of flip side is that um the I don't know how to word it, but just you get more, like Sarah was saying, when, when you're at home and in your own environment, you are more relaxed. Mm. So I've been much more reflective and able to um, just let the creativity flow because I am more relaxed mm. and not thinking of 10 other things because I've got, I'm hearing 10 other for example, issues going on in the same office type thing in the distraction. Um, so for me, one of the top tips would be allow people that individual thinking space yeah. um, and that uh, the quiet space potentially. So whilst others might be craving the noise, I think we're more than likely going to find everyone. We, we quite liked that individual space, haven't we? <laughs> um, so just a little bit of the quiet still to continue. I think would yeah. be mine. That's a fantastic top tip. Really lovely. Um, and Sarah, for you. Um, well, I probably wouldn't have said this at the beginning of this discussion, but it's like, that's the great thing about discussions, isn't it? Is that more things surface and uh, you develop a, a greater awareness. I would say to any team leader that you've probably done this before, but you've possibly done it because you've learned it on a course and you've tried it once or it was the in thing to do. But I would suggest to every team leader that at the start of every meeting, you do a check-in. And if you're not familiar with what check-ins are about or the rationale for them, or examples of check-ins, do, do a little bit of research around it. Um, we've talked about one example today, which was the, you know, how is everyone arriving today? There are many, many checkouts available you know there's many many different um, examples of check-ins my experience is that it enables people to disconnect from what they've just come from it gives um, individuals the opportunity to be in the space that the meeting requires and it gives people the opportunity to tell people how each other feels so right from the get-go you know where everybody's at and I think 
I think that could become one of the most useful starters for a meeting, whether you're in a trust board meeting or, 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 or whatever, it doesn't really matter. Just an everyday regular team meeting. Everyday regular yeah. meeting. I think it would work a treat. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Some two fantastic tips for people to take away. And of course, others may have their own top tips from our conversation, just something that they've gleaned. For me, um, my top tip is take some time as a team leader yourself to develop your own awareness of how your relationship has changed and uh, and and appreciate that and value that for what it is and that will help you to appreciate and value other people's unique experience too so um thank you both um it's been fantastic discussion as always um i get such a lot out of these um and i hope the listener um uh, and today whoever's listening today uh, and in the future in this podcast will also be um getting some really important um and useful information um and ideas from our, our discussions and um, please check out our website it's uh, um, www.thewellbeingcollective.co.uk and that provides a link to our current newsletter and also all of our social media we are quite active on instagram and um, twitter and we'd love to say you to say hi so please do uh, look out for future podcasts we're doing a series of podcasts coming up around difference and diversity and we're really looking forward to those so for now say bye sarah bye bye and goodbye, Becca. Bye. And we'll see you all very soon.